Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. Go with me in your Bibles this morning, Luke chapter 2. This text has been read in our hearing today. Good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. Don't you love receiving good news? Easily our joy can turn to sorrow when it's connected with the people that we love the most. Am I right about this? Some of the people that are closest to us can break our hearts or hurt us deeply. And I say it often, the only relationship that we can totally trust and never lose is Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. The psalmist said it this way. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore, never-ending pleasure. There is nothing else on earth like this. We enjoy pleasures from, from the Lord that he has created and gifted to us, but there's not anything in this lifetime that is never-ending except Jesus Christ. And the psalmist says, you made this known to me is the path of life. The theme of joy is throughout the entire Christmas story. When Gabriel the angel showed up and he promised Zacharias, he said, you, and he's talking about the birth of his son in Luke 1.14, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Ken and Cassidy waited 15 years. Zacharias and Elizabeth, they waited a lot longer. They were past the childbearing years until the angel shows up and says, hey, you're going to become a father. How is this going to happen? Actually, it is going to happen, and you're not going to talk until it does. I love that scene when they finally uh, John is born, and they're giving grief to Elizabeth about what's the, what are we going to name the child? And she says, John. And they're like, oh, John, there's no John in your family. And then they look over to Zacharias, what are you going to name this boy? And he says it in the Greek. It's John his name is. It's emphatic. His name's already been named. It's John. This is a gift from the Lord that would go before the Christ child, the Messiah. Luke 1.44. Mary visits Elizabeth. And Elizabeth hears Mary's voice. And inside of her womb, John does some gymnastics, all right? You, you ladies that have had children, you understand what she felt there. For behold, Luke 1, when the sound of your greeting, Mary, when I heard your voice, John's doing some gymnastics in here. He leaped for joy. Life does not begin at birth, loved ones. It begins at conception. Right here, the scriptures are very clear. Anyone who would twist them, they're just doing it for an evil intention. Mary, she praised God for the Christ child to be born of her. And this is what she said in Luke 147. And she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my... What did Mary need like everybody else? A Savior. My Savior. This one born of me is coming to redeem me. She was a sinner like everyone else. You don't have to take that up with me. You can take it up with her. She said it right there. When the angels showed up and they announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, Luke 2, 10, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
It was kind of noisy too, but it was a good news of great joy. You guys are listening. I, I can't get away with any, any fumbles in my words. The Magi, and we'll look at them briefly tonight when we gather to Matthew 2.10. When they see the star in the east, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Just filled with joy. So the question that we want to answer this morning is, why? Why is this message, why is the incarnation the greatest news ever given? And how many people are pausing to actually let this message invade their own heart and life? To really stop and consider this message. First of all, we see from our text, this good news is for everyone. That's a good reason. It's not limited. It's not just for a certain class of people, certain race of people. No, this is for everyone. The same region. There are shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Just shepherds. They're out in a rural location. They're a country. Country strong. But in their sense, strong in a few ways. Not a lot of showers. Camping out. You know how you get to smelling. These guys were out there. They're out in Bethlehem, about six miles outside of Jerusalem. So that's about a little closer than Armada. It's about Memphis to Richmond, about New Haven, out Columbus, about the distance, raising those lambs that would come, many of them in for temple sacrifices. But those guys, they were despised. Their occupation was despised. They weren't even allowed in the temple. They were disqualified. They were unclean. So while they were fulfilling all that was needed for the temple sacrifices, they weren't allowed in the temple. They were cast off. But the Lord, in his sovereign wisdom and grace, this news is coming to the people that the world thinks nothing of. Except, man, you smell them shepherds. Those shepherds, they smell. They stink. And the Lord says, there's, there's a message and it's coming for everybody. This good news is glorious. That's the second reason why this is the greatest news ever, because it's glorious. This announcement from the angel comes in great power, great glory, and great grace. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good no news of great joy. I just can't get away from it. It will be for all the people. We're starting with you all, and it's going for everybody. We're coming into the lowest common denominator here, and it's you guys. They weren't offended by that. This message is for us, great power. These guys were filled with fear. These angels aren't what we have hanging on our tree, docile little figurines. Oh, aren't they sweet? You know, we had some angels up here on the last week. They almost got took out by the shepherds. <laughs> Canes flying. Good times. There's no... There's no equality in the angels to shepherds on this scene. Shepherds are filled with fear. The glory of the Lord shone around them. This light that we just saw portrayed in that video invaded the darkness, and the darkness never can comprehend, overcome the light. Light always wins. Turn the light on. And darkness has to find a way. It's got to just disappear. Spiritually, that's true as well. You enjoy someone waking you up with a bright light? You're sleeping? 
They come in. I mean, they got some high power. If you need a high-powered flashlight, just talk to Stephen Demzich. He's got 70 of them, all right? He just has more and more. They come out with a new one. He's like, I have to have that one. But you don't want anybody waking you up out of a deep sleep with that. No way. Not a chance. It's, it's rude. Here these guys are minding their own business out in the countryside, and then that light in the, in the darkness Great power, great glory. They're filled with fear. They literally thought they were going to die. Whenever our lives come engaged in contact with the glory of God, we're always found to be lacking, all of us. If we're honest, we don't measure up. Not one of us. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Not one of us are good, intrinsically good on our own. So there they are, they're paralyzed in fear. They knew we've missed the mark. We can't even go in the temple. We're outcasts. But this good news is glorious. And thirdly, the good news replaces fear with joy. There they are, they're filled with fear. They're terrorized is the word there. Where we get the word terrorist from. Terrazzo. They were terrorized. They weren't just mildly startled. They were filled, overwhelmed, overcome with fear. But God didn't bring this announcement to destroy them. He didn't come to crush them. He came to deliver them. And this message has power. It's a powerful message. What is this message able to do of the incarnation of God coming to earth and wrapping himself in our flesh it's able to calm our fears. Now we hear that. And some of you may hear that and you say, that's nice, but you don't know my fears. Don't dismiss the truth of God's word. This message is able to displace our fears, all our fears. This is the fear that drives out all other fears. It's a right reverence, a right fear of the Lord. And this message comes right away, do not be afraid. I was looking at some old video. We go way back. I think it was 2007 Christmas. 2007 Christmas, there was a whole set up here, kids singing. And then Sophie was about two or three, and she almost fell over the banister right there. Her line, her cue was the angel saying, do not be afraid, and she almost fell over, but she landed the line, do not be afraid. <laughs> and the kids sang of that message, and those kids are now, many of them are parents of their own kids. The message is unchanging. It's great relief to not have to reinvent a message, like, oh, here comes Christmas again. Like, let's one-up this message. God became a man. Like, that is the message. And he lived the life that you and I could never live. And he died the death that you and I deserve to die. So it calms our fears. And this message gives cause for great joy. The angel says, here's why you can calm down. Do not be afraid. Here's why. I bring you good news of great joy. And it's not just for you, but it's for all people. It's for everyone. And this message is the gospel. And many times we've gone through this gospel in a nutshell. G, God created us to worship him, to fellowship with him. That's the garden. That's Genesis. But oh, Genesis chapter 3, our sins separated us from God. Here's that fruit. The Lord said, don't eat of the fruit. 
Satan, ah, as God said, just question God's word. Just doubt God's word. That's still the same temptation today. Ah, I know the guy seems all kind of worked up up there in the front with his big Bible, but calm down. You're in charge. You're king of your life. Has God said our sins separated us from this God who is holy? We were put out of the garden. And here, contrary to most religions in the world, sins cannot be re- removed by doing good deeds. And that's what most people think. Well, I'm going to try. I'm going to work. I'm going I'm to go to church. I'll join a church. I'll give. I'll do some nice things. I'll try. Sins cannot be removed by doing good deeds. That leaves us in trouble. It leaves us filled with great fear. So P, paying the price for our sin, Jesus came. The incarnation. This message. He lived the life that you and I can never live. And then he chose the nails. He chose the cross. He laid down his life. They crushed his crown with a crown of thorns. And he suffered. And he bled. And he died. For you. There's a lot of people that will gather in churches around the world over this weekend and they will regard it as Jesus died for sins. Jesus died for the world. But it hasn't yet turned on in their own mind and heart. He died for me because I'm the one who sinned against him. I'm the one who deserves justice, the judgment of God to be punished. And he came and he stepped in and took my place and he went to my cross and he bore my crown of shame so that I could go free. And he rose from the dead the third day so that he, everyone who turns from their sin, that's repentance, and trusts in him alone. Everyone who turns from their sin, this is a 180, and trusts in Jesus Christ alone is given L, life that never ends. That's the gospel in a nutshell. That is what the angels come proclaiming to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And who is a Savior? Christ the Lord. It's all in the gospel. And this message is able to calm our fears. It's able to displace all of our fear with great, the greatest joy. You can't purchase this salvation. You can't pay for this message. Jesus paid for it with his life. And this message is for all people, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. That is why we are as a church, we desire to be like the Philadelphia church on mission. Taking the gospel from here to the other side of the planet. Making disciples who make disciples. Number four. The fourth reason why the incarnation is the greatest news, it's the greatest message, is because it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. After all, he is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is, we saw it last week, the originator. He is the ruler over everything. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. There's the message. It was a divine message telling you exactly this is the one you've been waiting for. C.S. Lewis contemplated how would Hamlet ever know anything about Shakespeare? The only way that Hamlet would know anything about Shakespeare is if William Shakespeare would write himself into his own play. 
Hamlet, a creation out of Shakespeare's mind, would never know anything about William Shakespeare unless he wrote himself into the story. Carry that over into our lives. How would we know anything about our creator? He's greater than we are. He's the one who spoke it all into existence. He made us in his own image. How would we know anything about him if he didn't write himself into our story? That's what the incarnation is, loved ones. He didn't leave us abandoned and without hope. But in Genesis 3.15, the first gospel is announced that the woman will conceive and bear a son. And all of time waited for that son. Is this the son? Cain. Is he the son? No and no and no again. Abel? No, he died. He was murdered and he didn't come back to life. And you can go right down through the entire Old Testament. Abraham? No. Isaac, no. Jacob, no. Go all the way through the whole Old Testament. David, the king, no. We're waiting, waiting, waiting. That's why many of the Christmas carols are super hard to play on an instrument because they have minors in them. It portrays the somber waiting of God's people, waiting of all people for a redeemer. And people pop up every now and then saying, follow me, and then they die and they verify not worthy to be worshiped and not worthy to be followed because they're a man like you and like me, or sometimes it's women. This one died and he rose back to life. Different category, that's because he's God. He had to be God to rise from the dead. He had to be man to actually be killed, to die, to lay down his life. It's the incarnation. This announcement from the angel was detailed to these shepherds. Gives a, he's a savior. He's a rescuer. He's a deliverer. He's Christ. This is the anointed one of the Messiah. He is Lord. Kurios is the Greek word. Lord, Master, God. Lord is used in the translation from the hebrew into greek the septuagint that's the word that they used to translate the name yahweh and it says this where's the infant brephos is the greek word this is interesting you just maybe jot down a note luke 141 that word brephos okay so luke was a doctor so he's technical with his terminology and i made a comment earlier about when does life begin when in Luke 1.41, John is in Elizabeth's womb, he uses the word brephos, it's an infant. It's what it is. Now, he says there's been a baby born, it's Jesus, you'll find this brephos in, an, in a manger. Same, same thing, doesn't change its identity or, or what is it, it's a child. It's a child in the womb, it's a child that's an infant outside of the womb, it's a child. That is ultimately always the question is what are you saying there's a fundamental right to our governor to end the life of? What is it in the womb? And if that child is not safe in the womb of a mom, where is that child to find safety? The doctor, Luke, says, John in the womb, brephos. Jesus in a manger, brephos, infant. Both are human beings made in the image of God, but one is the God-man. You'll find him. He's wrapped in swaddling cloths. Oh, that was common. You have a baby, you wrapped up, you know, find some clothes, keep the baby warm. I remember them placing my girls into my hand. 
wrapping them up. I, most of them, we, I figured out how to do the, what do we call that thing, the papoose or something like that, or wrap them up. Swat, what? Swaddle. Yeah. But we call it something. I don't know what it is. But we wrap up the babies. Emma, I could wrap her up, and she just stayed tight. I just had her tight in, just like a total, you know, t- like, like a cocoon, just lo- locked in. Could do it with Lola? Not Sophie. She was drumming from the time she was born. I worked and worked. I had to get bigger and bigger blankets, and her arms would just work out, you know, like, no, I'm going. You're not going to contain me. She would sleep, arms like this, just moving. That's what they did. That's, that's normal. I mean, even in the picture you saw today, the baby is wrapped in claws and all tucked in and cared for. But what is abnormal here and uncommon is where this baby was placed, in a manger, in the feeding trough of animals, in a cave outside of, there in Bethlehem in the country. Who, who would do that? And this is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And this message It's all about Jesus. Number five, it deserves our highest praise. It deserves our highest praise. Suddenly, there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The whole host of heavenly angels show up. They arrive They're praising God. They're praising the Lord. Deserves our highest praise. And that's how the angels portray that to us. The angels proclaimed this message rings out to heaven, first of all, vertically and to earth. Praise to God in the highest. There they are. They're adoring the Lord in peace. This has implications for those who dwell on earth among those with whom he is pleased. He says, as we look at this, grace is not a reward to those who are good. There's no one who can benefit from his grace. We've all missed the standard. So the angels are proclaiming the grace of God. They praise vertically to heaven, but then they're saying this message is for you. God's grace, listen to me now, is not given to good, nice people because there aren't any not intrinsically perfectly good. It's given to people who are desperately in need who come to the place and they say, I'm desperately in need. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna say the same thing about my own condition, my sin that God says, and I'm gonna stop excusing it or or trying to compare with other people around me. I'm gonna say what God says and that is all have sinned and that's me and I need a savior. It's his grace. This message brings peace. To all, it's like Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord greatly graced him. So this good news demands our right response. How then should we respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ? It demands our right response. Maybe you're here this morning. I know many times people come with they come with their mom or they come with their grandma or they come with their family and, and this is an important day and you know that and so you're showing honor and you're showing love and you're showing respect to your loved one and, and that absolutely encourages them and you're gonna be able to spend time. That's wonderful. But I'm, I'm gonna ask you to do something that as you hear this message, examine, okay? Do your own investigation, Ask the hard questions here. Luke recorded the eyewitness account. He went and he investigated. He sought it all out. He wasn't there that night. 
But Luke went and he got all of the eyewitness accounts that he could. He wrote it down for the record that we hold in Scripture. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning this child. Do your own examination of the message. Don't let it just go in one ear and out the other. And then experience. Look at what the shepherds did. They went for themselves. Come and see. They immediately went and visited the Christ child. They didn't delay. They didn't say, well, let's get around to this tomorrow. They went right then. As you hear the message of the gospel, this most important message go out even today. If you have not been reconciled to God, that is the most important step for you. Come and see for yourself. They found by searching. It's an important word that Luke uses here. They heard the message. They heard the prophecy. They heard what the angel said. And then they went and they put their eyes on it. They went looking. And they probably had to ask people, hey, I'm looking for, have you seen, we're looking for, there's a couple in from out of town. We're looking for a baby in a manger. We're looking. And they found the Christ child. What about you? What have you done so far with this good news? Maybe you hear this message often. But what have, you, what have you done with this message? Has this message yet been received by you? Have you made room? Can you look there in Bethlehem and all the people that had no room for Jesus and you look down like, oh, come on, they should have room for Jesus after all. But meanwhile, my life, my schedule, my time, my resources, mine. Then these shepherds set a great example. When they leave, they don't leave in the hush mode. They don't leave in the stealth mode. They leave telling everybody. They're, they're evangelists here, right? So that's it, evangelize, go and tell. That's what they're doing. Everybody, they become evangelists. They have a message to tell, and they go and they tell the message. That's what it is. Some marveled. They heard the message from these shepherds. Luke uses that word over and over through his gospel about people marveling, amazement, the whole life, the birth, everything of Jesus, his death, it was just an amazing thing. But some lived and died and never took the time to come and worship Jesus born for them. Now here's where the angels, as they watch this scene unfold and they see the shepherds, okay, that fits with, that, that's what should happen. There they go and they're, they're, they found the Christ child and there they are and then they go and tell. But then the angels are watching this message unfold and they just shook the heavens telling the message. And then they tell people on the way back to their fields and most people are just like, hmm. yeah, okay, all right, shepherds. What are they smoking out there on the hillside, you know? And the angels are watching people just go, life is, life is usual, life is normal. They just heard the message. We gave the shepherds the message. They went, now they're leaving. They're telling everybody. And nobody is doing anything. And the angels are watching this. We know who this is. We know who is in that, that feeding trough. And I can't believe he's in a feeding trough. And people are just going on with business as usual. And this is shocking to them. 
It's still shocking to them. The Bible says they watch it, this message of redemption unfold. They behold believers worshiping. They see it all. Holy angels and fallen angels. Mary, she puts all these things and she ponders them in her heart. It says there, verse 18, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Hmm, that's interesting. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's marvelous. That's wow. That's wild. That's far-fetched. Angels. I don't know. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She's considering them. She's holding them dearly. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And then at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The shepherds worshiped, but what is your response? What is our response to this greatest gift? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. His one and only son, whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting, never-ending, eternal life. Have you received the gift? Now, if somebody over the next few days gives you a gift and then they say, oh, by the way, here's the receipt for that. Oh, I'm not going to take it back. No, no, not take it. You owe me. <laughs> you don't think I got you that. What? There's a receipt. You owe me, you know, 1372. No, that's okay. I didn't really need that. I'm going to give that back to you. That's not a gift. But you have to receive the gift. This gift was priceless and it was paid for you. Your salvation, your redemption was paid by the sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Have you received the gift? That's why we give gifts. It's not the other way around. God didn't learn from us. He's the greatest giver. But have you received the gift of his son? Now, carry that over. If you're giving gifts and someone says, now what do I owe you for that? No, no, you don't owe me. Sometimes you give a gift and if somebody doesn't have one back for you and then you feel awkward, well, my bad. But why are you giving a gift? Is it law? I gave you a gift now. See, we'll get tested. Kids will get tested. Their gift is bigger than mine. How come they got four and I only got three? Right? That's our heart. Have you received the greatest gift ever? If you've received this greatest gift, then we live the rest of our lives. Lord, use me. How can I give to others? And it's not mine. It's your love. How have you responded to this greatest message of all time? Father, I thank you for the gift of your son. I thank you that many who are under the sound of my voice today, they have turned from their sin and they have trusted in you. And they've received your gift of salvation. His name is Jesus. And you've changed their life and you have changed their eternal destiny. God, I pray for the ones who may not have come to that moment, that decision in their life, and received you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they would admit their sin, 
They would stop excusing, stop running, and say, Lord, it's me, I'm a sinner, I'm guilty. And that they would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the one who died in their place and rose again, and his coming back. Father, to those who, we know you, help us to live for you. Help us to live our lives for you. In the light of all that you have given for us, help us to live giving and forgiving others. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.